Hey guys, Jen here. Welcome back to the Find Thanks New Pod. Today's episode structure is going to be a little bit different to our first one. Uh, you'll see why soon enough. But in the first half, Tash and I sit down after a few drinks to discuss snarking, influences, Reddit, and briefly, Lindsay Lohan. Our sound quality is still not 100%. I'll blame the alcohol and my inability to sit still while I talk on, on that. But rest assured, as you'll hear in the second half, we've managed to make some improvements. So it's slightly less painful for your ears. The second half is just me discussing strategies for navigating Mean Girls and sharing some embarrassing but personal stories from my own life. Anyway, without further ado, Tash, how was your week? Uh, yeah, so I, as I mentioned to you on a voice note earlier this week, was I've started uh, taking over someone else's job at work. So in essence, consolidating two roles into one. And I think the combination of that with my other side hustles has just kind of gotten to me in terms of time management and work-life balance. And I kind of just felt like throwing in the towel this morning. So did you girl boss too close to the sun? Yep, basically. That's a good way that of putting it. It happens to the best of us. It happens to the best of us. It does. I yeah. too have had an insane work week. My boss has just immigrated to Australia. On top of that, uh, my neighbor got broken into. I came home from a dinner party to find the cops and my body corporate person and everything. And that was terrifying I'm because sure. when you live alone, you've got like that sense of security. You've got to be like, this feels like a safe place for just me living by myself. And it's like, oh my God, I do not feel that way anymore. Your building's also very safe. I mean, I can't get in here and I've tried to just dial random numbers to let me get in when I can't get hold of you. Any robbers that are listening, you absolutely cannot break in here. Like just ignore what I just said, but but just know that it could happen. Freaky that they said it was an inside job as well. I still have not established what actually happened. But also this week, the podcast came out and that has been cool. That has been probably one of my highlights, if I'm being honest. Of your life or just like the week? Of the week. I don't want to say my <laughs> life. I could say my life would be alive, but I think of this week, the response we've had has been amazing. It has. People have been very nice about the sound quality. They have. They've been a bit too nice, I think. You guys are all lying, but I love you for it. Thank you. It's great to have a creative outlet. One of the things that you and I both talked about is that it's exciting to know that it's out there in the world, but you know, now that we start delving into a little bit more of the controversial topics, it's a little bit scary because there's always the risk of knowing that someone is listening to it and judging you. That is yeah. just a reality that is what happens when you're putting personal projects out into the universe. Exactly. And we can actually see on the stats that we're getting about 100 people Do you know, I'm cutting that out. I don't want people to know it's only 100 people listening. I but think 100 is a, is a win. I was honestly catering for like 10. I was <laughs> catering for 10. 100, 100 I'm good with. It's we'll like see how 10 we times there. more than what I thought. And I'm... I'm at a point in my week and maybe life where I think I'm just happy to take the small wins. Just happy to take the small wins, Thank man. you to all That's 100 of you. I think if, if this week it's going to be like 10, then we know we did a bad job. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be the real reflection the of, of popular opinion, but let's see what happens. Yeah, and I think one of the only ways that we can like share properly and be honest and give a, put something authentic out is if we are honest and we're vulnerable. We yeah. can't censor ourselves. We can't like say things we don't actually mean because people can always tell when something's inauthentic. People can always yeah. tell when you're lying, when you're being fake. And the only way that we can really distinguish ourselves to people who don't know us in real life is by being authentic. I hope that that authenticity makes up for our initial teething issues. But speaking of people judging you, um, today's topic is navigating mean girls. Whoop, 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 whoop. Oh One of the most gosh. iconic movies of the 2010s. We all know it. Mm -hmm. Bless Lindsay Lohan, glad that she is 
on the straight and narrow I love that for her. So, <laughs> I kind of remember. I'm such a mean girl. I love seeing people like flounder. It makes me feel better about myself. <laughs> I think I like seeing celebrities flounder because like from the outside they have it all, but when you you see them struggling, I think having too much may it, may be that. It also reminds you that like everyone is suffering like, <laughs> like <laughs> it's not just me. Yeah. Okay. So, to go back to the topic of navigating moon goals. I'm going to go off on a bit of a tangent first, but I promise it's all going to make sense in the total context of it. Tash, do you know what snarking is? I have no idea. I know what being like snarky, yeah. I think, is. Like, I, I, I can feel that I, I've been snarky. It's like that sensation of like... It's like that mean but funny, right? Yeah, like it's, it's like that, it's that light meanness. A good way to put mean but funny. I think that's how I would sum it up. I've never heard of... Being snarking. I don't know what, yeah, okay. what is that, Jen? So snarking is like the internet. It's more like internet related. It's often like, I think it's kind of a Reddit thing. It's this whole practice of, at a very basic level, snarking is criticism. It's usually online. And so of a specific person or group of people. So let's say it's like a criticism page for a certain person. Okay, deep. So to explain snarking and how this fits into our topic and my relationship with it, I first have to introduce a woman named Caroline Calloway. Tash, does that name mean, mean anything to you? It didn't until about five minutes ago. Jen asked me to read an article that did she'd you read written. That article I did it? not read the article. Okay, I'm sorry, okay. Jen. <laughs> it's fine, it's fine, it's, it's fine. Been, I told you, like I said, it's been a week. Okay, so I'm going to explain who she is. And I promise that this Please. has a purpose. Um, I may have also started a podcast only to talk about my very niche online interests, but regardless, this is where we're going. So... Caroline Calloway is a 31-year-old American influencer, and now she's a writer, allegedly, yet to be proven until she actually ships her book to people. But she's just self-published a memoir called Scammer. As you may guess from the name, she's gone very viral many times for scams. She first got early, she first got famous in the early 2010s for going to Cambridge University and living this magical fairy tale life in England writing long Instagram captions about balls, secret society, and handsome boyfriends who are also like minor European royals. So famous, in fact, that she got a book deal, which she later never delivered on, owed them like $500,000 for whatever, besides the point. She faded into obscurity for a bit until 2019 when she went viral on Twitter for holding these like creativity workshops. They were like writing workshops that cost a huge amount of money to attend, I think $165. After the fact, we can go and see what that is in South African rides today. But she promised attendees personalized notes, flowers, salads and mason jars, all these things. Just basically a huge list of perks that she never delivered on. And then one journalist who had been a former fan of hers compared it to Fire Festival. Remember Fire Festival with all the influences yeah. that Bella Hadid thing? Yeah. yeah, I watched the documentary. Great documentary. They made two of them at the same time. Both fantastic. Highly I, recommend. I only watched the Netflix one. Where's the there other one? There was also a Hulu one. Okay. I highly recommend watching both. That same year, 2019, her ex-best friend wrote an article for The Cut. It turned out to be the most read Cut article of the year. So you guys should read The Cut if you're not listening to it currently. Revealing that it was in fact her and not Caroline who had written those Cambridge captions. They got Caroline so famous and everyone on Twitter was kind of like talking about this was an uproar. Wait, question. Did they use, did she use Caroline's pictures on Instagram writing so these captions? Caroline would like post the photos and then Natalie, her ex-best friend, would write like these long captions and then would be like, oh, Caroline, you're such a good writer, but it's actually Natalie writing them the whole time. And it was, the whole reason it was con controversial is it was on the basis of these captions that Caroline got a book deal. Okay. So that was kind of like a shitty move so there, this huge falling out. Even today, going a little bit more into the rabbit hole than I intended to, 
she just released her book, which is a collection of essays, which has been okay. like reviewed by The New Yorker, all of that. And Caroline has self-published her memoir, Scammer. So they've had this huge... So they're best friends who are trying to friends. steal each other's like, like abilities and content. Guys, if you are listening to this, I highly recommend Google her. Go down the, go down the rabbit hole. It is fascinating. It's I'm a definitely great going to now to, that you to, told to me who she is, evening, actually. So there's a lot more to her, and I highly suggest Googling it. But... This is what got me into Caroline Calloway. As mm-hmm. I said in our first episode, I'm chronically online. I heard all these media talk, people talking about her. I was actually pretty late to the party. She's been like viral for a scam for a while, but 2019. there's no Netflix documentary on her already. There is a Vice documentary, so okay. you can watch it if you want to. So this fascination with Caroline Calloway led me to a place called Small Bean Snark on Reddit. So Reddit is... I mean, there's a stereotype around Reddit, right? People like say it's like for incels who've like never had sex or don't know how to talk <laughs> about to women in real life. As someone who is both a woman and has had sex, I can confirm that neither of those are true. But Reddit is a great place for those who love delving into very specific rabbit rabbit holes. So Small Bean Snark is a relatively small subreddit. I think there are only about fifteen thousand members. But Caroline is also a, a relatively small influencer. She has like half a million followers. Small Bean Snark is just a very tame compared to other Snark Reddits, such as New York Influencer Snark, Hilaria Baldwin. That's in a whole other re- like rabbit hole that I suggest you go down if you're into that kind of thing. And it's just a very heavily moderated. You get an instant ban if you were to say, call her ugly or talk about contacting her. So for instance, like DMing her on Instagram or anything like that. Or to say that she should die, which sounds like it should be a given rule. You shouldn't say that anyone should die on the internet. But if you spend any time on specific corners of either Reddit or Twitter, you know that that isn't always the case. Yes, okay. I mean, I, we kind of threatened, like, dying ourselves, I think, on our first episode. I don't know but, what we but said. But that did come through. <laughs> so, so no one yeah. should, should need to die, especially an influencer who don't know in real life. So this subreddit, I would say it's, like, elevated discourse. And it's a part of people's fascination with her. It's mentioned in any big profile, like Vanity or Vanity Fair profile, a recent one, her New York Times profile. But what the sub's purpose is, it's to keep track of her various lies and problematic statements on a very elevated level. It's more like a discourse or a critique than just pure hate. But regardless, it's at its core level gossip. And it's not something I'm particularly proud to be so interested in. I'm a pretty active member of the sub. I posted before my my, you, my post have gotten thousands of upvotes, which I wish I could do on Twitter. It's my like niche alter ego. And I've never revealed this for, before to actually a friend or As anyone someone who's on the podcast. So close with you. I did not know yeah, that it's you my are an online persona. It's <laughs> you're like a secret Caroline. Are you happening. a hater? What are you? No, I'm not a hater. Okay. I actually compared to other people on there, I admire her. She is, I work in PR, she's the master of PR. She's just okay. self-published. I think it's a, her book is like 150 pages. I have ghostwritten a book before. It's way longer than that. She's written a 150-page, poorly written book that has gotten write-ups in the Vanity Fair, in the New York Times, in the New Yorker, on Rolling Stone, on a bunch of like media sites that I really genuinely care about. It's yeah. because her PR is so good and her like notoriety is so good that she has gotten this so I'm fascinated by her and I'm interested in the criticism of it because it's just like as someone who considers himself as a writer and who has written it's like why is this chick who is a bad writer and who has done so many bad things to people like why is she getting this this attention this love this this love from like media publications that I genuinely respect and that is for me that interest in snark it's a good question actually I feel like she's kind of 
sound a hack to our social system. Because Which is when you make people angry, people talk about it. Exactly. Like that same old saying, no publicity is bad publicity. What's it called? Bad publicity is... There's no such thing as bad publicity. That, that's the one. There you go. Thank you, Miss PR. So I told you that this, guy's ha- that this topic had a purpose. And to go back to that, new fact about me... I love gossip, as you may have been able to tell based on this whole little tangent that I went on. It's just on my nature. But because I'm trying to be a nice person and be a good friend to my friends, I limit my need for gossip to reading gossip about randoms instead of doing it in real life. Does that make sense? Like you kind of have that need to be gossipy and mean, but to avoid getting in trouble, you limit it to people you don't actually know. Does that make sense? It does, actually. I kind of, I think... If you do have the desire to gossip, and as someone who kind of avoids gossip, myself, um, <laughs> I think from my perspective, it sounds like a healthy outlet because it's a way of catering to that inner internal need and that part mm-hmm. of your brain where you don't throw anyone you care about under the bus and the person who you are speaking about who they're you, never who you know don't who I know. Am, right? I'm they're, anonymous. They're never going to know who you are, but... The people who you're talking to her about also know perhaps that you're never going to know who she is really. So the things that you say, how much meaning can they actually hold? Because until I think for me, gossip hurts the most when it's from someone who actually knows you you and who you care about. And Caroline probably does not care about who Jenna is. Uh, at least at the moment. <laughs> Hopefully, I'm sure one day she will. If because she shouted be out this podcast, that would actually be the dream. It that would, that would, would be, be insane. Would be a bad thing. But I think she probably does care about general consensus. And I've heard yeah, celebrities... Yeah, kind of being a troll, right? Like, yeah. it's being, that's the worst accusation. It's being a troll. And but, like, why do I and so many other people enjoy snarking? Okay, guys. Thus ends the first part of this episode. And thus begins part two. Let's dive into it. So why do I and so many other normal, employed, functional people with like real lives enjoy snarking? Not not Reddit trolls, like decent, genuine people. There's not actually much about it online, but there are some academic papers uh, speculating to what causes the attraction. Internet culture in general just hasn't really been researched enough. Maybe I should do my master's on it if I eventually do go back to varsity. (laughs) I did my uh, honors thesis on influencers and I find them fascinating. But one theory for why we do it is because a lot of people now are putting their whole lives online in an effort to become famous, the rest of us are understandably a little bit resentful of influencers who we perceive to be living this fabulous life and getting to travel and wear designer clothes without to be honest, having to do much work, although they'd probably argue it as a full-time job. While the rest of us are struggling to justify the occasional manicure and working like 50 hours a week, it's only, fe- it's only natural to feel a bit resentful and to channel that resentment into some light hating online where we kind of hope the influencer themselves will never actually see it. Because I think if someone had to come to me and say like, oh, you're involved in this and this is what you said about me, I don't think I'd be able to stand by my words or actions in real life if I'm being completely honest about it. Anyway, this is probably something I should talk to my therapist about, but because I cannot currently afford therapy, talking about this on the podcast is, I suppose, my way of working through it. Which brings me to another confession and which brings me back to the actual topic at hand, navigating mean girls, of which you may now be thinking that I am one. So I have a confession. I am a recovering... I get along so much better with guys than I do with girls. Girl. 
Yep, I know, I know how it sounds. I, I hate it too. But in my defense, I was like that in high school. Um, <laughs> and to give a little bit of context, I moved away from my very close-knit group of friends, including Tash and my amazing small town in grade nine, a year where everyone had pretty much made their friends, um, even if they hadn't already made their friends in grade eight. Grade nine is just a terrible year in general. I mean, it seems very far <laughs> long ago now, but I think we can all remember that. But to make matters worse from this move, when I got there, I moved to one of the most expensive and prestigious all-girls schools in Johannesburg. Everyone was way cooler than me, and for some reason, I immediately decided to make it my mission to try and ingratiate myself with who I deemed to be the most popular girls at the school or in my grade. Worst mistake I've ever made. Not because of them so much, but because of me. But, like, while some of those girls were incredibly mean, and there's a reason I <laughs> do not to this day have many friends from high school, with the benefit of hindsight, as it's now more than a decade on, I can't really blame them. I was so awkward, and my desperation to be liked was so painful and so palpable. I was just trying way too hard. To be honest, I don't think I would have been too, too keen on a close friendship with the Jenna of 10 or so years ago either. But that's not what I'm trying to dwell on. What I'm trying to dwell on is that... While I promise I am over those experiences and they've taught me how to be a good friend now and how to really support my friends and be in for the long haul, I want to dig on, on what I did at the time when those girls were mean to me, how I reacted, which was turning around and being absolutely awful to girls I deemed lower down on the food chain than me. That could mean rejecting offers of sitting with people at lunch. It meant rejecting overtures of friendship in general. It meant if someone was making, if one of the girls who I was trying to impress was making fun of someone else who perhaps was a little bit more awkward or a little less like socially confident in groups with guys or whatever, it meant joining in and spreading rumors and taking every opportunity to try and assert the little dominance that I had. Why is it that as women, when we're treated badly by other women, as teenagers and as adults, instead of choosing to be as kind as possible in contrast, we repeat the same behaviors? I think I knew at the time that what I was doing wrong, but I was so desperate to have any sort of time in which I became the cool girl or I felt some position of power that I would exercise the little power that I had and make someone else who I deemed below me, not at all that they were, as miserable as possible. I mean, we see it time and time again as teenagers, as little kids, when it's like who gets to come to the sleepover and who doesn't. In adults, as in like your toxic workspaces, or if you live in Cape Town at like Blondie's on a Tuesday night, that's like standard, you will see women being mean to each other whenever they can. And I'm not at all trying to put the blame on women. I think men are equally mean, but I think that they are just more blatant and to your face about it. But what it is, I think, if we're all being honest with ourselves, is this is a result of internalized misogyny, this desperate need to put other women down and claim space for ourselves in that space. There's so little space for women to succeed, even in 2023, that we viciously complete, compete with each other for the few spots that are available. And while we're doing this, we're just keeping men on that pedestal of like competing th for their attention, competing to keep them in that same place of leadership, be it in a social group or in the workplace, we're just elevating them while tearing down each other. And what I think we need to do as the next generation of leaders is actively dismantle this way of thinking. Resist the temptation to carry on the cycle of, cycle of 
toxic competitiveness and be the change we want to see. It's easier said than done, I know. I've still got a long way to go in tearing down my own relationship of what it means to be supportive of other women, to uplift women, put them in the spaces that they belong rather than trying to compete or seeing that as a threat to my own space that I've carved out for myself. We've got to be better. But if you or if like one of your friends or someone you know is struggling with navigating mean girls, be it in your personal life or in the workplace, here are like some short tips that I hope will help. Number one tip, remember that it's not about you, it's about them. As we've just spoken about, often the reason we perpetuate this behavior is because of what's been done to us in the past. A lot of the times when a woman who you think should have no reason to resent you or be rude to you or like just come at you from a place of anything other than good intentions, it's because of a place of insecurity that they're coming from. They may feel threatened whether or not you intended for them to feel threatened. It might be because of your attractiveness. It might be because of your prowess at work. It might be because the guy that they like likes you. Either way, it's often to do with them and not to do with you. I know that doesn't make it any easier in terms of combating that behavior, but understanding where it's coming from can help you a lot with dealing your feelings with dealing with your feelings around it and not trying as hard to change yourself. Because to be honest, there's not much that you can change if they've already decided that about you. The second piece of advice is to try and talk to them about their behavior using neutral language and a neutral setting. I know that that can sound terrifying especially if you're talking about it with regards to the workplace say it's with a manager or with a boss who a toxic female manager or boss I'm super lucky now to work with incredible women but in the past I have definitely been in female-led workplaces that I think were way more toxic than any male-led career I could have chosen male-led place of employment I could have chosen but what this would mean is not trying to give personal attacks or make it seem as if you're criticizing them instead talk about the behavior or the language so for instance when you do this or when you say this it makes me feel this way could we talk about maybe navigating it differently in the future to avoid these feelings coming up again or to help me be better and work better with this essentially it's just trying to be as neutral as possible and make it kind of seem as well as as much as this may sound counterintuitive, as if you're doing them the favor. So like, how can I be better for you? Obviously, this does kind of seem like we're rewarding bad behavior, but the purpose of it is to make your life as easy as possible. If you come there with like direct criticisms or making it personal and targeted, the behavior may just escalate. What we're trying to do here is de-escalate this, this situation by making it as neutral as possible and hopefully it will be received in the manner that it's intended. Although, as I, uh, again, as always, easier said than done. Thirdly, if we're not talking about in the workplace where it can be difficult to end a relationship that's not serving you, let's talk a little bit about toxic friendships. We've all been in them. They suck. As someone who's been through a lot of romantic breakups, I can honestly say that the friendship breakups I've had have been far worse and far more damaging in terms of getting over it. But unlike with a toxic workplace, you have the luxury of pretty easily ending a friendship if it's not serving you. If a relationship made you feel bad all the time, like if you were dating someone who sucked, your friends would tell you to break up with them. So why can't we do the same for our girlfriends? Honestly, if it's been a couple of years, you've spoken to them about their behavior, you've told them how you feel, you, they know that there's a problem and they haven't done anything to change, 
end it, girl. Like, just end it. What do you, what do you still have to get out of this? Nothing. In the long run, it's worth it. I know you're going to miss them. There'll be times when it was good. I know it's not always bad, but do the things that serve you. Be with people who make you happy. Be the pe- be with people who support you and make you feel like the best version of yourself. You don't want to be constantly in a friendship that feels like you're in a constant competition. It sucks. Don't do that to yourself. Last two things, maintain your power and self-esteem. We've spoken about this in the beginning. Remember who you are. Remember how strong you are. Remember that it's not about you. It's about them. You're incredible. You're amazing. You do not deserve to be treated this way. So maintain that throughout navigating this, navigating mean goals. Just remember who you are and remember your power. Finally, coming back to what we spoke about in the beginning, resist the urge to respond in the same way. I know it can be tempting. I know it's when like someone is being a bitch to you, all you want to do is be a bitch back. I definitely have that. I can be very cutting with my words and I want to be something that I'm working on a lot. But let's not repeat that cycle. Let's be better. For those of us who want to have children one day, and I know that I definitely hope that I will have a little girl one day, I do not want her to face the same issues with other women that I did and that so many other women do. I want them, I want the next generation to come to a world that's better, that's kinder, that's more accepting, that's more gentle. And one of the only ways that we can do that is by being better ourselves. Also, if you need any further like argument, guys, by doing this, we're letting men win. And I mean, we all love men. That's fine. We love them. We hate them. But we don't want to let them win. By doing this, we are furthering their position of power. We're allowing behavior like this to continue that keeps them on top. When in reality, we should all be on the equal playing field. So that's my final bit of advice. Um, my final bit of advice. I'm obviously not a therapist. I'm not a licensed advice giver. I Some of this advice may be terrible, but this is just based on my own experiences. I'd love to continue this conversation more on Instagram or through my DMs, whichever one you prefer, but I just love to hear back from you guys. I hope you found this helpful. We will be back soon with Tash for some more hot takes, interesting conversations, exciting topics. Just, yeah, can't wait to see what comes next. And thank you for listening, guys. Have a great day. Lots of love.